two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. We are back, Husker fans, with another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we do our best to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. And today, while we talked last week about doing a recap of the season, we're going to focus on looking forward instead. Scott's going to spend a few minutes at the beginning of the episode kind of looking back and giving him you his impressions of the 2021 season and then we will look forward we'll start looking at the conference honors that the team garnered as well as uh some of the players who have left some of the players who are hopefully coming in soon and the recruiting that we've got going on we've got some coaches at least one that's been hired and we can speculate on some of the others all that good stuff including at the end we will talk about the conference championship games the college football playoff has now been set and we'll give our thoughts on that, talk a little bit about something going on on Twitter, anything that's going on on Twitter anyway, and some things that Scott found on Reddit. And then we'll close it out with my impressions of, well, Coach Frost and the rest of us as the fan base. So why don't we get started? And Scott, I know you've got some salient thoughts to share with the audience on the 2021 season. So my son, the floor is yours. Hello, Husker Nation. So uh, it's kind of hard to summarize our entire season in a very short form, but I will do my best to keep this as brief as possible. To summarize, the 2021 season was as painful as it could possibly be for Husker Nation. And I think it tops any team in the country for a pain index. And I think if you were to look at the entire history of NCAA football, this probably wins the most painful season under any college football team in history, in my opinion. From losing eight games by one score or less to having every single loss be due to a different slot in the bingo card of errors, um, it was a completely (laughs) anomalous season at the very least. Um, so yeah, I will briefly go over each game of our 21, 2021 season and give a highlight or a low light of each game that I think was the turning point in each game. So first we'll start off with Illinois. The first game, uh, season opener that was supposed to be in Dublin that ended up being in Champaign with Brett Belima as a first year head coach. I honestly think that the punt return attempt by Cam Taylor Britt that led to a safety and the Martinez fumble that was a scoop and score uh, to end the first half were ultimately the two two huge mistakes that we never recovered from. Final score, 30-22, Illinois won that game. So we're 0-1 going into our second game, which was a blowout victory against Fordham. Even though it was a blowout, to me it seemed like we played sloppy and looked uninspired throughout most of the game. I understand Mm -hmm. that it was just Fordham, but for being a cleanup game, 
It looked awfully lackluster. Um, final score, 52-7, Nebraska. So then we are 1-1, one and one, and our third game was against Buffalo. My dad and myself uh, were at that game, and while the score only ended with Nebraska scoring 28 points, I saw what could have been a much larger victory. Um, whether it was Culp's three missed field goals, a few bad calls, and a lot of missed third down opportunities for our defense to give our offense more time with the ball, it ended up being a win, but by less than it felt like it should have been. Final score, 28-3, to Nebraska. We are now 2-1, and one, and we are going into our fourth game of the season, and that's against OU. That game was with that game. We had many opportunities to win, yet we came up short. Colt missed two more field goals, and then Kellen Moore's or Kellen Myers uh, blocked extra point that led to two more points being scored by OU. Meant that what could have been a twenty-three to twenty-one victory for the Big Red ended up being a heartbreaking loss. Final score in that one was twenty-three sixteen OU. We are now 2-2, two and two, going into the fifth game of our season, which was against Michigan State. And in my humble opinion, I believe that this game was the game that deflated Nebraska's mental psyche of being able to win games for the rest of the season. Had we won that game, and our, yeah, we had that game won. Um, we only had four minutes left, being up 20-13 to 13 with, four, yeah, with four minutes left, and all we needed to do was show up on defense after a punt like we had all second half and it would have been a dub but after a punt right goes wide left and michigan state gets a punt return for a touchdown we had nothing left to show for on offense and they win in overtime if and and honestly if we would have won that game i believe this entire season looks completely different so we are now two and three going into the sixth game of the season um that was against northwestern this was a really fun game to watch my wife and i went to that game and it was uh, an absolute joy to watch us completely dismantle northwestern in a way that hadn't been seen before not only in context of how our games with nu tend to be but the fact that it was the biggest loss fitzgerald had ever seen in his entire time coaching for the wildcats this would be the last win that we would get for the season Final score, 56-7, Nebraska. So now we're 3-3. Three and three. Seventh game was against the now Big Ten championship, Big Ten champions, Michigan. Uh, we played such a great game, and there were many things that I could point to that were, in theory, momentum shifters, but our team never gave up. It was, however, the fumble Martinez generated in a pile-up past the first down marker on a short third-and-one situation. That ultimately shut us down. We had one more. Uh, we had one more down opportunity with less than a minute left. Um, less than a minute and a half left in the fourth, but we were, you know, expectedly unclutch and weren't able to complete a game-winning drive even after a 25-yard reception by Torre. We fall just short. Final score: 32 to 29, Michigan. So now we're three and four. All right, the game was against Minnesota. This was just a completely sloppy game altogether. Both our offense and defense looked like hot garbage for the first half. We missed an extra point, another another missed field goal. We had two defensive interceptions that only generated one touchdown. 
Minnesota generated a safety on Martinez, and we somehow managed to drive down the field near the end of the game to score a touchdown just so that we could seal another one-score loss. Final score, 30-23 to 23 Minnesota. Uh, we are now 3-5, and five, and our ninth game of the season was against Purdue. This game, we managed to check off an interception for a touchdown on our bingo card. Uh, Martinez threw a total of four interceptions. We looked discombobulated on offense as a result, and we somehow found this weird trend where we are able to drive down the field and grind out a touchdown, but never for a win just only to put us back within one score of our opposing team. Uh, <laughs> it's like being tortured. It is. It is. We can somehow put together a really great drive, but never to win, only to just get us within hope of winning. Uh, so Nebraska falls short again. Final score, 28-23, Purdue. We are now 3-6. and six. The 10th game of the season was against the Ohio State. This ended up being our biggest loss of the season, falling short by just nine points. We had quite a few opportunities to generate momentum, but after two more missed field goals, a bunch of bad calls by the refs yet again, and again, more failed attempts at driving down the field late in the fourth put us to put us within range of victory, OSU kicks a late field goal to seal the deal, and we fall short. Final score, 26-17 Ohio State. We are now 3-7, and seven, and the 11th game of the season was against Wisconsin. This game was close to an upset, probably the closest that I felt aside from that Michigan State game. But alas, we found a way to come up short again. Martinez throws two picks, one leading to a Wisconsin touchdown. Braylon Allen goes off for 228 yards of rushing and a controversial very controversial, no call for pass interference on our final drive and final play of our, our, I guess our last drive. It wasn't the final play of the game, but it essentially was. Cemented yet another one-score loss. I believe the Huskers mm-hmm. played very hard and fought a good fight during that game, but we came up short. Final score, 35-28, Wisconsin. As we are now 3-8 and eight going into the final game of the season against the Iowa f- guys. Ah, shit. Uh, Hawkeyes, my bad. Uh, <laughs> this was <laughs> this was one of those snatching defeat right out of the jaws of victory type scenarios that we are so good at finding ourselves in. We had played three solid quarters, but as I stated before uh, in our previous episode, the Logan Smothers fumble that he did recover right before the end of the third quarter started the shift of momentum. That was the moment the Hawkeyes knew they were about to have opportunities awaiting for them in the near future. One of those opportunities came just three plays later with a blocked punt return for a touchdown. The bingo card of fuckery strikes again. Um, add a, another safety onto that bingo card as well. And then to cap off the game, Frost calls pass play after pass play and we fall short with with Iowa scoring 22 unanswered points. Final score of the final game was 28 to 21. And yeah, if we just look at it, if all of our one score losses were flipped, we would be 11 and one and would have just competed in a big 10 title game. Um, I know that, I know that we can't reasonably expect to win every single one score game, but that just goes to show you how close things were this season to being momentous. 
I mean, even an eight and four season would have been awesome, even if we did drop off mm-hmm. a few of those one score losses. But games like games like Purdue and games like Minnesota, we should have won those and and Illinois. Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, those should have been wins and we just couldn't find a way to do it. Um yeah, it like think about this. If Iowa if Iowa's one score games were flipped, they'd be six and six, but they finished ten and two. Mm-hmm. And just got blown out by a Michigan team that we were one fumble and a few smart offensive plays away from beating. Good teams find themselves in close games, but great teams find ways to win them. Uh, Iowa isn't a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but they do consistently find themselves in a position to win, and we have yet to figure that out. They have earned... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I hate saying this. I really hate saying this, but they have earned every thread of their bragging rights against us in our painful rivalry. And I just hope that things change and it starts with finding ways to win these close games against good teams. We finished three and nine in what could have been an easy bowl season. We are mm-hmm. truly in a special place of hell. And that's those are my thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was well said. Um, I don't think I could in, I could add anything to that, except that I would I would say that I disagree with you on only one point, and that is what game the game that broke the Huskers back. I don't think it was Michigan State. I think it was Minnesota. I think after they put the balls out effort that they did against Michigan and came so stinking close, and you know Martinez went into the Minnesota game injured. Because of the hit Aiden Hutchinson put on him that caused that fumble. Literally bent him in half. Um, and I think they went into that game hoping they could win, but not sure. And I think that took their will away for the rest of the season. Because, you know, at that point I was like, okay, yeah. I am I am guilty of predictive dyslexia because I predicted 9-3. and three. When in actuality, <laughs> we were three and nine. So, which is really what I meant to say, but I didn't because, you know, predictive dyslexia. Anyway, I guess just like, uh, you remember when, I don't know if you ever caught that sound bite from Eric Shenander when he was talking about, uh, you know, you're either a floater or a sinker, but you're still a turd. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we just flush this turd called 2021 and we'll talk about some of these guys that, uh, Earned some all-conference um, recognition, and I was kind of surprised at the number of guys that were mentioned. Um, but at the same time, I think there could have been more had we not been three and nine. I also think, as I wrote kind of down at the bottom here, it's my belief that had Nebraska not gone three and three and nine and won around eight games, almost all of the guys we're going to talk about that got honor- honorable mentions would have either been second or third teamers. Uh, but if we want to contend for a Big Ten championship, Big Ten West is one thing. But contending for the actual championship, Nebraska is going to need some, need quite a few first teamers, um, because Michigan proved that that uh, yeah Iowa can play with people, somewhat. But man, once they get up against somebody that's not afraid to take it to them, they really folded pretty quickly. And I enjoyed every last so i was jumping around in my seat scott going down the road every time they'd score uh because i was just like this is just so beautiful this is what we were doing them to them for three quarters and we couldn't figure out how to close the deal but damn michigan didn't just close the deal they slammed the deal oh yeah. it was uh it was impressive 
So conference honors. On offense, Austin Allen is literally the only person on the entire team that is first team All-American according or all-conference according to the media. He was second team according to the coaches. I think the coaches got it wrong. I think he should have been unanimous first team. Um, Cam Jurgens was third team according to the coaches and honorable mention in the media. Adrian Martinez was honorable mention by the coaches, but not mentioned at all by the media. Not surprised. I think those kind of things happen when you go into your seventh or eighth game of the season and you only have three interceptions and then you throw four in one game. You kind of tend to leave a lot of people's minds when it comes to, uh, when it comes to conference honors. So Samari Torre, I'm kind of pissed. I think he deserved much more than just honorable mention. Dang close to a thousand yards. Problem was there's those three dudes at Ohio State that all got all conference honors. First, second, or third team between Smith and Jigba, Olave, and uh, Garrett Wilson. They were all either first, second, or third team on both polls. So uh, it's kind of hard to make it when there's three dudes on one team. Uh, so I don't know. Yep. What do you think of those guys? And where would you have put them if you were in the media or the co- one of the coaches? Yeah, I think Austin Allen should have just unanimously been first team. Um, I think that he could have had a better resume, but he was injured. Um, and so yep. it's actually really impressive the stat line that he was able to create with being injured for a portion of the season. And I think Cam Jurgens definitely earned his spot in third team. I think he should mm-hmm. have been third team all around because, I mean, he didn't. We he wasn't a, a a a he wasn't in a place of question this year. He did his job. I remember ah who what what game was it that. Was it the oh yeah? It was the OU game where he pushed that that defensive lineman like forty yards back and tossed him down. Like just an absolute dominating performance by Cam Jurgens this year. Uh, but yeah, had we seen a better win loss record, I think Cam Jurgens would have easily found himself like unanimously on third team, if not second team, in some of those voting mm-hmm. uh, areas. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. Adrian Martinez would have found himself in a in a more desirable position had he not thrown those picks and had our win loss record been different. And I think, yeah, it's a dang shame that Samari Torre only found himself as an honorable mention, and and it just goes to show you the Big Ten bias when it comes to Ohio State receivers. When yeah. Samari Torre was a, an absolute standout receiver for uh, the Cornhuskers this year. And I think he should have, at the very least, been third team. But you know, they've got to put their Ohio State guys in every every little honorable uh, position they can because they're Ohio State. So yeah, I, I think he should have at yeah. least at least been third team. But that's just me being biased in my in my own respect. So yep, that's that's my thoughts on the offense. Congratulations to all of them. Um, damn proud of of. All of the guys mentioned, all four of them. Um, I guess I don't have anything else to say. Um, That's good. It's good stuff right there. That was good stuff. Uh, defense. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dudes on uh, get all conference honors. A lot of them honorable mention. Uh, but JoJo Doman was third team all conference according to the media and second team according to the coaches. I think the coaches got it right. I think he should have been unanimous second team. Yep. Dude was just a beast. Now, had he not been hurt and probably played in both the last two games, maybe he would have been all conference second team. Uh, Taylor Britt, I agree with them. They, they, media and coaches put him on second team. 
A couple more interceptions. He's probably a first-teamer. Um, Damian Daniels, honorable mention in the media and the coaches. Luke Reimer, honorable mention, media and coaches. Ben Stilley, honorable mention, media and coaches. And Deontay Williams, honorable mention in media and coaches. And then Markel Dismuke was honorable mention in just the uh, coaches' side. So the uh, one, two, three, four, five of the Super 6 seniors that came back earned conference honors, and that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, any thoughts on those guys or do you think they kind of ended up where they should have? Uh, I think they deserve to be higher, all of them, but it's that three and nine record that held them back. I think one specifically, I think Ben Stilley should have found himself at very least in third team. Um, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of it had to do with, uh, honestly, I know I've beat a dead horse by stating this, but how many times Ben Stilley was getting held? Um, throughout the entire season i think if <laughs> yeah. he would have been able to generate a sack or two or you know a handful more of tackles for loss uh he would have easily made it in third team uh third team mentions uh i think yeah jojo doman should have been second in the media they were clearly not paying attention um maybe it was because he didn't he didn't finish the the entire season due to injury but i mean that shouldn't I mean, he was just an absolute lights-out performer. Um, I'm proud of Luke Reimer. And, yeah, I wish I would have been able to see more of Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke uh, throughout the season. Yeah. But they obviously locked down their positions um, by basically never having anybody throw a ball their way. And when they did, they broke up passes. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just proud of them, all of them getting their honorable mentions and second and third team mentions that mm-hmm. – that makes me uh, makes my heart warm. I I just yeah. If our if our season would have been an eight and four, even a seven and five result, I think these all of these uh, these placements of their team mentions would have been bumped up just a slot or two for every single one of them. But that's just my mm-hmm. that's just my belief on that. But um, yeah, it looks like you uh, you pretty much agree with what you wrote down. So. Um, you know what? I got to thinking as you were talking about Deontay, uh, we lost him in that Minnesota game on an interception that he likely returns for a touchdown if he doesn't come down and pop that knee. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot. Maybe that, that, maybe that game goes completely different at that point. Maybe that's the game Nebraska figures out how to win and goes into the next few weeks with a lot of confidence. So Losing Deontay was huge. I think he's way better than honorable mention, and I think the coaches and media agree. Problem was, he didn't play for the last five games of the year or six games of the year. Yep. Uh, so, um, but yeah, to get honorable mention after going down with a knee injury against Minnesota, that's pretty impressive. So, um, anyway, let's talk about the guys that have decided to leave. Namely, of course, number two, um, Adrian Martinez. For me, I have mixed feelings. Love the kid. Absolute class act. Uh, represented Nebraska as classy as anybody could be. And think about it. 2019, when they did the ribbon cutting ceremony for the brand new facility, who did they take up there to be the face of the of the program for that ribbon cutting ceremony? Well, it wasn't Martinez. That guy's playing at Kentucky now. And he handled that with class when he probably should have been the guy that went there for um, for the ribbon cutting ceremony. Um, I'm guessing he was probably told by Frost that he wasn't going to, that he was 
probably going to compete with a quarterback from the transfer portal. And it probably set him a little wrong. And I did see a screenshot someone grabbed from an athletic story by Mitch Sherman that cited a source inside the program who <laughs> claimed that the exit interviews between Frost and some departing players now have kind of heard from Hale Varsity the last couple episodes that it was Martinez specifically and that it wasn't exactly cordial or frosty, if you will. It was rather warm <laughs> and heated. So... And supposedly some concerned players reported it to Alberts, and he didn't go to the Big Ten Championship game to meet with the other ADs as a result. So, um, But yeah, that's understandable, though. I can understand Martinez being upset, and I can understand Frost standing, standing his ground and going, no, I gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. In the fourth quarter of game after game after game, your defense gave you everything you needed to go get the job done, and you never did. So, but at the same time, I can see Martinez going, yeah, well, call a better f***ing play then, coach. You know what I mean? I could yeah. just see, I could see that conversation going that way. And that kind of sucks. It really does that it didn't end as cordial as it could, or at least kind as it could. Um, so that sucks. And of course, you know, he blows out his uh, quarterback coach two games before the end of the season. And, you know, that can't be easy for a kid who's developed a deep relationship with Verduzco and all the times he probably sat over at his house eating spaghetti and meatballs. So <laughs> that had, that had to have been tough, but uh, yeah. How, what do you think of, of Martinez leaving? Uh, where do you think the program goes? I'm pretty sure transfer portal is it. I bet you think the same, uh, but overall, what do you think? Yeah. With uh, Martinez. Yeah. I saw some other, Rumblings and grumblings, uh, rumor reports on uh, on the old trusty Reddit about yeah some heated some heated discussion and that Martinez was not very happy with basically Frost saying that there's no guarantee that you're going to be our guy next year if you come back. Um, I'm going to mm -hmm. give other guys chances. You've had, like you said, four years. You've had four years and have been given an endless supply of opportunities to go win games, and it just hasn't happened. And like you said, I think that it goes both ways. Martinez didn't, didn't uh, succeed in his opportunities, but also, yeah, I don't think Frost gave him a – it didn't give him a framework in order that that he could succeed. Um, but, mm -hmm. yeah, as far as I know, right now, he's actually on the Kansas State campus right now visiting. Um, and I would not be surprised if that's where he goes simply because that's where his girlfriend is at. She tweeted out about stating that she looks forward to his future um, mm -hmm. and – I I mean, just kind of, yeah, would he like to go to Fresno State or somewhere in California? I'm sure. But um, but if he's as serious as, as he is about his girlfriend, I, I would not blame him if he went to Kansas State with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Skylar Thompson, I think, being, being done now. I think he's a six-year yep. senior or something like that. And so I think Martinez would find himself in an easy starting position there so long as he's healthy, learns the playbook, he understands what he's doing down there. Um, yeah, I've got mixed feelings, but ultimately I wish nothing but the best for the guy. Uh, it's going to break my heart next year seeing highlights most likely of, uh, Adrian Martinez with a different uniform on that. That's something that I've come to realize in the past few days thinking about kind of hurts a little bit. Um, I, yeah. I wanted to see Martinez succeed. 
I really did. I wanted to. I wanted him to have that game. I wanted him to have that game where he goes down the field, gets that game-winning touchdown, and finally gets that victory circle with his teammates. They all pile in on each other, and and they just have all yeah. the good, the the good, the good and happy feelings. But it just never happened. And that that honestly breaks my heart more than anything. I wish I would have been able to mm-hmm. see Martinez succeed because he's just going to be that he's going to be that guy that that we'll look back at throughout history and be like, dang, what if you know? What if this went right? What if he had a no line? What if he had a good play caller? What if he had some talent around him for those second and third years he was here? You know, what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I, w- I wish nothing but the best for him. I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he does a Joe Burrow and goes and wins a Heisman or some shit like that. You know, that would be that <laughs> that would suck for us, but it would it would honestly it would make me feel happy for the guy because he's just been nothing but uh, nothing but a mature individual. Always stood in front of the press. Always took the heat. Yep. Always always took it with a grain of salt and seemed to be really humble about it. So, um, yeah. I, I I have nothing else to say. I guess running my suck, but um, yeah, that's my thoughts on Martinez. Yeah, it's difficult, and you know he's gonna if he ends up at Kansas State, he's gonna be reunited with Cade Warner as well. And I know they've got a couple of other pretty good wideouts down there. And like I said, with Skylar Thompson gone, I know they run a little bit of a spread with some power running elements, and they got a pretty good running back up there, from what I understand, or down there, from what I understand. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good place for him to land if he doesn't land in Fresno. Hey, who knows? Lincoln Riley might be on the horn or texting him here and there. Hey, I saw what you did against us at OU. I'm at USC now. It's near home. You know, you never know. But, uh, wherever he lands, I hope he succeeds and I hope he gets his moment. I really do. I hope Mm -hmm. he has to, he's in the fourth quarter. His defense gives him a shot at going down the field and I hope he gets it done. And then I can tell all the people that are celebrating him leaving the program on Twitter that they can go eat a giant uh, so yeah we'll just turn the page on that's a weird place to turn the page on talking about Martinez but we'll do it anyway um, <laughs> Marvin Scott the third is in the transfer portal I'm not surprised by that I had a feeling that was coming with some of the recruits that are coming in um, I think they're even going into the portal looking for somebody kind of in that Marquis step type of mold, big dude that can pass block uh, with Irvin coming back. And it looked like he was really getting ready to take off right before he got injured. Um, And then you've got some of those fairly highly rated kids coming in. Marvin's going to catch on somewhere. I think he should, he he might end up back down in in Oklahoma somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a a Tulsa or an Okie state or somewhere like that. Um, So, Good luck to Marvin. He's been classy. He's never disparaged anybody or talked crap. So good luck to him. I hope he catches on somewhere nice. Any thoughts on Marvin? Nope, just ditto. Okay. Damian Daniels declares for the NFL draft on Sunday. I had a feeling it was coming, and I wonder if maybe some of the dissension that happened between Coach Frost and perhaps Adrian and maybe others didn't hasten his decision a little bit. But at the same time, good God, one more year under Tuioti, what he couldn't have maybe accomplished. Uh, but he just endured a three three and nine season. 
He's not even sure his head coach is going to be around to see the end of next season. So I guess I don't blame him for trying to go out there and make some bones. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I I was thinking. Didn't it, didn't he get injured the during the Wisconsin game? Was it the Wisconsin? Yeah, he was out for he was out for uh, for Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, just thinking of longevity, maybe he just kind of yeah he saw his cards, read read the tea leaves, and was like, you know what. If I want to be healthy and be successful in the NFL, um, same thing with uh, with Austin Allen. My comments on Austin Allen last week, stating that you know you're probably better off going to the NFL healthy and be able to work your way up the roster and get some bonuses uh, for being a standout player. Uh, you you, you kind of got to pick and choose. Do you want to get injured your super senior season uh, playing college right. ball and not really get a chance to? Uh, even go to the NFL, or do you just roll the dice and go now? And so I don't blame him for going now. Um, he's been, I mean, he's just been a hole filler. I mean, he mm-hmm. he was a rock for our defensive line, aside from Ben Stilley. Uh, he just played out, lights out all year. And so I wish him nothing but the best at the NFL. Um, if he can make it into one of those late rounds or sign, in, yeah. sign a uh, – at, at worst case scenario, sign a free draft kind of agent uh, agency types type of situation. Um, yep, that's mm-hmm. all I got on Damian Daniels. Congratulations for uh, being just a damn good player, and and I, it was an honor mm-hmm. to watch him this year. It was fun watching him for sure. He reminded me a lot of his older brothers or his older brother Darian in the way yes. that he was able to to really plug up the middle. And when it was time to get into the backfield, he got there. So. Uh, good dude, good kid. Wish him and, nothing but the best. And maybe, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, maybe Darian gave him a call and said, "Hey, man, I think I think you're gonna be better off if you just if you just go now." Um, yeah, you never know because he probably he's got that inside, you know, that insider like NFL kind of experience. And hey, just just go now, even if you even if you only make a few hundred thousand dollars, uh, that's a bag. You know, get your bag and get out. You know. Um, yep. That's make a practice squad somewhere. Yep. 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 So the question for me is who's next? And I'm really concerned that Cam Jurgens is next. I think uh, if there's one success that Greg Austin can kind of point to, it's the fact that Cam Jurgens became what he became. Unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, Austin didn't do it all on his own. I believe it was the Doc Talk podcast that I listened to. Uh, where I think it was uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska said that they ended up bringing in consultants to help Cam Jurgens with his snapping. So, oh. yeah, and maybe one of those consultants might have been a former offensive lineman that at Nebraska that might be getting targeted to be our new offensive line coach, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but that's my concern is that Cam Jurgens is next. Hey, his best buddy just left town. He and he and Adrian were really, really close. And uh, it's going to be different snapping to a different guy. So especially if it's a transfer portal kid that comes in and kind of messes with the, with the I don't know what's the, the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the vibe. Yep. Yep. Messes with the vibe that's going on between Cam and the other quarterbacks that are already there. So I fear he's next. What do you think? I don't know. I think you make some really good points being roommates with uh he's roommates with with Martinez, wasn't he? 
I don't remember. I think so, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Someone will have to fact check me on that. Shoot us a tweet. Call us idiots or something. Or me idiots. Me an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, according to Sean Callahan, uh, he's tracking nine transfer portal offers made by Nebraska, and three of them are on the offensive line. So yep. I they might be looking for a transfer at the center position, and if that's the case, then that might be the tea leaves. Um, but sure, they I could think, be doing that. They I think they're looking for a couple of tackles that are experienced, as well as somebody to take Matt Matt Sichterman's spot too. So yes, that's just knows? me speculating. And then uh, and but I do think that uh, Cam might have a soft spot still for Frost and company uh, to remain mm-hmm. here, especially. I mean, if you really think about it, Cam Jurgens wouldn't be where he's at today if it wasn't for Frost seeing the potential for him to be a uh, center. Um, so, you know, maybe he's yeah. maybe he's a little bit sympathetic to that, and I hope he stays around. That's my ultimate. That's that's my conclusion. Is I hope he stays. Like obviously, um, but I think he will. I I think if he does stay, he will continue to be as dominant as i stated above or previously mm-hmm. i think he will have a great season next year if, if he does stay so if he if he understands that then i think he'll stay um but yep. we'll, i guess we won't okay. know yeah well well we'll know soon enough i guess i hope <laughs> i hope i think maybe he's maybe just kind of holding out and figuring out who is the next o-line coach will be and who the next uh, offensive coordinator will be and yeah. all that good stuff and what direction the offense is going. Because all those guys love to wear them run the damn ball hats. And I have a feeling whoever comes in as the offensive coordinator is going to be one of those that's really big on uh, running the football. Speaking of which, I don't know if you caught much of the uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State Big 12 championship game. Uh, but they mentioned uh that Baylor's offensive coordinator, I don't remember his name, but his point was when he first got to Baylor's, he told those guys, we we like to do the RPOs. We love the run pass options. He says, but more than anything, I want us to be a RVO offense, meaning reliably violent offense. And I'm like, yeah, that's the kind <laughs> of stuff Nebraska used to do. Knock people in the dirt and a running back never falls backwards. And that running back at Baylor was a beast that day former linebacker moved back to offense and yeah (laughs) totally changed that offense so anyway you've got an offensive commitment that you've written down here got any info uh not much just that three-star tight end commit brody uh i'm gonna botch his name tagaloa Um, got it yeah committed today today just a few hours ago he's a six foot four 260 pound tight end coming out of california um as far as i'm aware he was actually recruited by tuioti um so speculation on reddit is that there is a chance that he might get trained to switch over to the defense um and play a position somewhere on the defense whether it's the defensive line or or outside linebacker or something because if we could have a either just a really really quick and strong uh kind of left or right side on the defensive tackle or maybe move over to the outside linebacker mm-hmm. cut a few pounds maybe just stay right at 260 we could have a pass rush threat there but that's just 
Reddit speculation. Maybe he is just a tight end commit, but six foot four, 260 pounds. That's a big dude. So that's yeah. just one of our newest commits. And I just wanted to, uh, I kind of circle back around, uh, to what you stated about Marvin Scott in the running back room. I'm really curious and you don't have to com- comment on it, but I'm really, really interested to see if Ashton Hayes out of Nevada um, stays committed, even though he was recruited mm-hmm. by Ryan Held. Uh, he's a five foot ten, 180-pound running back coming out of Las Vegas, and he – or no, R- Reno, not Las Vegas. Um, yeah, I can see why there's going to be a lot of competition in that running back room, but I would say, yeah – this tight end commit Brody uh, is is a very intriguing commit that we got. He's nowhere in the top 100 nationally, uh, but I mean, he's 57th in his position room for 2022. Um, and I would say that he, cool. Ashton Hayes, Victor Jones Jr., and Ernest Houseman are probably the the guys that I'm most interested to see out of this recruiting class. Um, and that's. Mm-hmm. I guess that pretty much sums it up. Uh, do you have any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns with our departures, transfer portals, or recruiting? Well, I know they've made, I just read today on Twitter, I didn't look at the article all that closely, but they have offered three JUCO or transfer portal defensive linemen. Oh, uh, So they're not messing around. I know they've offered, uh, like you said, three offensive linemen as well. So, Yeah, this is a line of scrimmage league, and they're not messing around. They decided that uh, getting some experience in here to help supplement guys like Ty Robinson and uh, Nash Huttmacher and those guys, you can't have too much depth in the Big Ten. As we saw, once Damian Daniels went down in that Wisconsin game, it was a different football game. It really was. And, you know, losing JoJo Doman made that a different football game. I have a feeling Braylon Allen does not go off for over 200 if JoJo's in the game. I just... I just have a feeling. Uh, so we need to replace him. I have a feeling they're looking around in the transfer portal for guys that are those tweeners, those 230-pound dudes that run like safeties but tackle like linebackers. Uh, so I'll be curious to see where they end up going. I'll be curious to see how many high school kids come in. Looks like it's going to be right around 9 or 10 with probably 5 or 6, if not more, spots being filled in by transfer portal slash JUCO players. So I know they offered a kicker out of Cornell. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Come in from the Ivy League. Hopefully you're not too deeply into your head that you can't make a damn kick. But, uh, yeah, because Culp's gone. So uh, at least that offensive liability is no longer here. I feel for the kid. But, um, yeah, we could have made a few more field goals. It's a different season. It really is. So uh, I agree. Speaking of that, uh, we've, I think, completely finished flushing the turd that was 2021 down the toilet. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a sinker or a floater. I know looked like a floater for a lot of games and then it would just sink. (laughs) 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 So let's get done flushing it. Let's move forward. Let's talk about some new coaches here in just a little bit. Sound good? Yep. Let's roll into it. Don't forget to wipe now that we flushed. Uh, I feel better. 
<laughs> I know I do too. And I certainly feel better about one of the new coaches that we know for sure is coming in. And that is former Husker quarterback, Mickey Joseph, played at NU from 1988 through 1991, right before Frazier got here. And uh, since his days at NU, he started coaching in high school back in the day. He worked his way up to getting a head coaching gig in a Division three school or a JUCO or something like that. And then next thing you know, he was at Louisiana Tech, and then that led him to LSU back in 2017, and he was a dynamite recruiter, incredible wide receiver coach, passing game coordinator or something like that, or at least co-passing game coordinator with Joe Brady, who was the guy that engineered that crazy successful passing attack at LSU in 2019. And he's also going to be our associate head coach. To me, no doubt in my mind, he's a huge get. Uh, he's a great recruiter. And he's a great developer because one of those guys that he developed at LSU was a three-star recruit when he got to LSU and ended up going in the first round of the NFL. So we know Mickey can develop guys. Uh, he's got ties to SEC talent pools in the Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi area. Being from New Orleans, he's got instant credibility down there when he walks down there. doesn't matter what name is on his chest. He has that credibility. And obviously, as I said, coached up the wide receivers big time at LSU. Their top three wide receivers in 2019 combined for 241 catches for 3,991 yards and 51 touchdowns. And who knows? Maybe a couple of LSU wideouts hit the portal and they want to come down here with them. We'll see. Um, what are your impressions you know, you don't know Mickey quite like I do. I remember watching him play, and I just remember he was an explosive player, and he's definitely learned how to coach that explosiveness into the wide receiver rooms. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't you, – you did get your take there right with – I really don't – I don't know what to expect other than just the fact that he's, you know, Cornhusker name – Coach damn good 2019 LSU team with the likes of Justin Jefferson um, and a few other names that I'm blanking on right now. Um, Jamar, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. There we go. That's, that was the other one. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a I think it's a home run hire, honestly. And the fact that he was hired as the assistant head coach, I think that the writing on the wall for Frost is is essentially right there in bold letters, basically stating, mm -hmm. "Hey, if you don't get get this stuff done, at the very least, Mickey Joseph takes over the interim head coaching role halfway through the season. If Frost does sure. not, if Frost does not turn out, um, and we don't win at least four of our first six games, um, yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a home run hire. I'm glad that he's coming back to Nebraska." And yeah, there's there. Uh, we'll we'll get there, but there's also some. I I couldn't remember if I I read it here in your notes or if it was just something that I saw on Reddit and forgot to wrote down. But we'll get into offensive offensive coordinator here in a bit. But there's some mm -hmm. uh, there's some Twitter some Twitter news that came out with somebody who coached with Mickey Joseph. So, oh really. Yes. Yeah, I'll get to that. Was that, that just recently before we started recording or Yeah, 5 hours ago. Okay. I thought I thought I wrote it down but I didn't. Uh, but let's just let, I'll just I'll just prequel. Uh Joe Brady has been let 
let go from. Yes, I wrote uh, it down in my notes in, in, in the offensive coordinator section. Yep, you he did? was let go at Carolina. Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I thought I saw that. Um, I just don't know where mm-hmm. it's at. I must be overlooking it. But um, Yeah, it's clear down at the bottom of offensive coordinator section. Ah, uh, so, uh, yes, yes, yep. yes, 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 I see it. Yeah, so, so I think yep. uh, there could be some some continuity looking forward there, but at the very least having Mickey Joseph as our wide receiver coach and so on and so forth is a huge get, like you wrote. Huge get. I think it's huge. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's all I got. What about running well, running mind, back coach? Oh, what were you going to say? Keep in mind that the uh, the – titles that he has been given wide receiver coach passing game coordinator and associate head coach were not given to him by the ad they were actually given to him by coach frost so oh no he was yeah anybody that's hired by a head coach he gets to put them in the position he wants and he gives them the titles that he gives them so i think frost understood when he hired mickey that this was also he was the associate head coach at lsu I don't think Mickey would have come here if he wasn't given that same ability and access to the head coach. Ah. And I think, and I think Frost needs it. And I think Frost knows he needs it. So Good. there you go. Uh, running back coach. Yes, yes, yes. The, here's what's weird. I've heard zero names mentioned or rumored for the job. None. Neither, neither Absolutely have I. None. I've, I've scoured Twitter. I've scoured Facebook. I've looked up and down. I've Google, looked on Reddit. All that kind and of I stuff. can't find anything there either. So my guess is Ron Brown's the guy, and I have a feeling he wants the job. I wouldn't blame him. He loves working with kids, uh, and he loves developing talent. So my guess is it's Ron Brown, uh, which is good. He teaches these kids how to run angry, as I said in a previous episode. Uh, yeah. There, there weren't too many more violent runners of the football than um, Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah. And the very last, I believe it was the last year that Roy Hulu was here, was when Ron Brown was his first year as the uh, running backs coach. But I could be wrong, and that was one of the most aggressive versions of Roy Hulu I remember watching. So uh, love it. Love it if he's the guy. Um, <clears throat> what do you think? I, I completely love it. I, I mean, I just like Ron Brown. Um, I know that it mm-hmm. takes a certain kind of person to like Ron Brown on and off the field. Um, but <laughs> yeah. he can be I, polarizing. Oh, yes. But I think that I think that there is a good chance that he finds a way to build relationships with the running back same way I think Ryan Held did. I think Ryan Held yeah. built really great relationships with his running back room. But like you said, I don't think that I don't think that Ryan Held really coached them to run angry and run like they have a chip on their shoulder that they want to go and kill whoever they run in front of. And as much as <laughs> yeah. uh as Ron Brown has like that that what would it be the wise grandpa with like a nice little like sprinkle of like uh kind of christian like you know uh like joy and happiness and all that he is not mm-hmm. afraid to to also put you in a position to to sheathe a sword and to have it ready at mm-hmm. any given moment um so mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's honestly the best the best thing if we were to have ron brown as our full time Running's back, running backs coach. Um, I love it. I think it's awesome. I love Ron Brown. I've always had a soft spot for the guy. Um, I yep, think that, me too. yeah, for his, 
player development, maybe he wasn't necessarily suited all that well there. Um, but I think that I think once he's in that coaching role, he really gets all of his uh, all of his cylinders uh, firing all at the same time. So um, actually, yeah. that bl- that blows up engines. You don't <laughs> want all your cylinders running at the same time. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so, he times them out right. <laughs> yes, he's got that. He's got his timing belt all perfectly calibrated and everything. So I think it's. I think it's a good. I think it's a good thing. And I haven't seen any rumors about a running running backs coach. So I. I would not be surprised if Ron Brown, Ron Brown takes the the full time job. Cool. Yeah, I I completely agree. As far as offensive line is concerned, uh, Donovan Riola is the name that I've heard rumored most. Um, not sure if he's even been contacted. It's just the name that's talked about most. He's the brother for Dominic Riola, who was a center here back when Frost was playing or shortly after, somewhere in there. Uh, and he's an offensive line assistant for the Chicago Bears. Um, and I think he would be a pretty good fit simply because the Bears like to run the ball. Um, Dom's son, Dylan, is a likely future five-star recruit for 2024. He has an offer from NU and maybe just maybe if uncle Donovan is here helps get him here and that would be cool. Uh, cause he would certainly have a vested interest in making sure that offensive line keeps his nephew upright, <laughs> not getting, <laughs> not running for his damn life for 60% of the snaps or whatever it was that Adrian was for this year. Um, now another name has been John Garrison at NC state, who was a former offensive lineman here as well. And I believe he was one of the guys that was brought in as a consultant to help Cam Jurgens with his snapping issues. Um, and he also played at NU right around the time Frost did or right before somewhere in there. He was in that mid to late nineties era. So, and that NC state offense has been dynamite and they run the ball really well. So, uh, that wouldn't be too bad. Those two guys wouldn't be too bad at all. And I know they're definitely out of your purview or experience as a Husker fan, but what do you think? Nope. You, you're once again, right. Uh, the offensive line coach has honestly been the room that I have paid the least amount of attention to, which is honestly a shame considering how much I've ridiculed and been, uh, very critical of, of our team this year. Um, mm-hmm. So I really have nothing else to say. I think, yeah, having Donovan Riola just because of the last name would probably be a good fit. Uh, but I have no wherewithal of, of the dynamics of what that actually means. Um, and I have no idea who John Garrison at NC State is at all. Um, so I whatever they get, as long as it's better than what it once was, I'm a happy camper. Or at least somewhat a uh, somewhat of a small improvement would be appreciated. I completely agree. Yes, we are on the same page there. I've never been real big. I like the idea of bringing back legacy dudes or dudes that played here. I like that idea because they understood the Nebraska way. Uh, hey, Austin played here. He was recruited by Solich. He was kept by Callahan. Played quite well. Spent much of his much of his career uh, injured, especially after Callahan got here. Uh, but when he was in, he was an outstanding offensive lineman. Uh, but he just, there was something about the way he taught or the techniques he was teaching that these guys just, Turner Corcoran and Brent, uh, what was his name? 
Turner oh, Corcoran. Good Benhart. Bryce Benhart. Yeah, Bryce Benhart. Bryce Benhart. They both looked like their feet were stuck in mud when it came to pass blocking, especially against teams like OU. And I'm sorry. they are I know they're young, but holy cow, how do they not understand how to move laterally yet? Um, yeah, it's and a I technique it. problem. They're also... Yeah, they're also going up against dudes that are probably going to be in the NFL eventually and some of those creatures they have there at at uh, Ohio State. So um, anyway, let's move on to the offensive coordinator. A lot of rumors out there. Uh, latest rumor on Twitter I saw the other day was that Baron Rude spilled the beans somewhere that Brent Davis at Army will be announced after the Army-Navy game. I also heard somebody kind of allude to that on Hale Varsity the other day. Yeah. I think it was Gary Sharp or somebody alluded to that as well. So maybe mm. there's some smoke there. There might be a fire there. I don't need it. Just means to me, it's an interesting choice because we're a spread based team. Army's not. Army runs a very intricate fullback eye formation, some shotgun, some pistol, but mostly a very intricate triple option. Um, and marrying that up with Frost's spread-based system is and an upgraded passing attack could get interesting because I don't think you're going to see us go to a wholesale change. We tried that shit in 2004. We went from a straight-up triple option, and we plugged a bunch of triple option offensive guys into a West Coast spread attack, and that didn't exactly work out well. <laughs> we still managed to go 5-7, and seven, which is still better than what... Frost was able to manage this year, but I don't see a wholesale change on offense. So I'll be curious to see if it is Brent Davis, what is he going to bring into the coaching offices in, in a form of his offense that can marry up and work well with the spread based system that Frost is, is after. And you know what? You're bringing in Mickey Joseph, one of the best wide receiver developers and recruiters in the country. There's no way we're going to stop passing the ball. There's mm -hmm. no, there's just no way. So, um, now if we don't get somebody like Donovan Riola or John Garrison as our offensive line coach, this is just next added note I put was uh, offensive line coach at army. His name is Sega Tuatelli, another Polynesian. We should hire him if anything, just so our line coaches would be the all P Polynesian name team, Tony Tuioti and Saga Tuatelli. <laughs> but Army also averaged 273 yards per game on the ground, and they didn't just play scrubs all year. They played some pretty good teams. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Now, there's some other rumors surrounding other coaches who run a similar spread systems with RPOs and some triple option, like Willie Korn at Coastal Carolina. They like to run some triple option. In fact, when Frost developed that or uh, implemented the uh, – Orbit motion with the wide receiver coming across the formation, then coming behind the pistol, pistol in the backfield. That was something Frost went to Coast Carolina and kind of got to peek at their playbooks and learn some of that stuff from guys like Willie Korn and the head coach. The head coach calls the plays at Coastal Carolina, but Willie Korn is very, very instrumental in developing the offensive system. There's also Ruggiero at Wake Forest, who runs much of a spread on an RPO attack as well as I don't remember the first name of the guy at ASU, but I think his last name is Hill. He was rumored as being in contact with Nebraska as recently as earlier this week. Uh, so who knows? I kind of think the Army thing might be just a bunch of Twitter smoke, but maybe it's real. I don't know. And 
I'm really hoping though that a power five offensive coordinate coordinator is coming in, runs something similar with Frost, where that where Frost can maybe hand over most of the keys to the offense <laughs> and let the guy call plays. And especially if it's somebody like Joe Brady. I know he loves to throw the ball. But you know what? LSU was pretty good at running the ball in 2019, too. So uh who knows? Maybe Brady's getting a phone call. I think he should get a phone call. And that was a historic offense he ran in 2019. What do you think on offensive coordinator? Do you think Nebraska needs to get somebody similar to what Scott Frost runs? Do you think we need to get a guy like Davis who can really run the football well and engineers an offense that does it quite well? Or should we go after a guy like Joe Brady and really upgrade our passing attack? I think if the future schematic or blueprint that we're trying to put together is a more threatening uh, pass attack, I think Joe Brady is probably the best name. Um, I actually know the best name is Willie Korn simply because of his last name. Um, I think he would Corn Husker offense. <laughs> yeah, I think that would. Uh, I think that would be really fitting. Um, I do like the idea of Joe Brady most simply because he is. He has experience with Power 5 coaching, and then on top of that, he has a little bit of NFL experience, even though, as far as I'm aware, it was kind of a dumpster fire for the Carolina Panthers' offensive uh, gameplay for the last few years. Um, I think as as interesting of a dynamic as it would be to have a Brent Davis from Army coming over here and and bringing a dynamic running game to a Frost offense— I think that there might be some continuity issues between him and Mickey Joseph, uh, more so on sure. Brent Davis's part. I don't. I tried looking up information about him and his coaching past. I mean, he's been with Army for eight years, so uh, and there isn't really a Wikipedia set up for him, so I really wasn't able to find that much hmm. information about okay. him through my quick searching. I just think that would be a difficult, a difficult task to probably have to coach Brent Davis up on on kind of what the spread looks like and how to implement his expertise into that framework versus maybe having uh you know a, a Ron Brown and a Mickey Joseph working together with a Joe Brady to to implement a run game with a threatening pass attack you know it's just like sure it it just seems like a little bit more of a long shot to have the uh Brent Davis come over here and have to learn a learn a lot of things kind of on the fly. Uh, but mm-hmm. granted I could just be wrong. Maybe he does have a past of of being more formally aware of the spread type uh uh playbook, but I don't know. I really don't know. Uh I think yeah, it's definitely worth giving Joe Brady a call. He obviously did a really, really good job with that historic 2019 LSU squad. Um, and yeah, you know, Willie Korn sounds interesting and Ruggiero, uh, yeah, Ruggiero, Ruggiero, I don't know how to pronounce his name at Wake Forest. Those Something are some, like that. Yeah. Th- those are some good names, but they're not really power five. Um, and I, I think Ruggiero, wasn't he at somewhere like Florida or something before he went to Wake Forest or something like that? I feel like I I don't know, but it. he is power five because Wake Forest is in the ACC. So oh, duh. he does I have always... that power five experience. And ASU is in the Pac-12, so he'll has that 
Power 5 experience too. But man, trying to figure out how to coordinate an offense in the Big Ten is going to be a lear- learning curve for all of these guys. It really is. At least they'll have the wisdom or at least experience anyway of Frost having already been here trying to call plays for four years in the Big Ten. I think Joe Brady is one that would fit best, even though he's very, very pass-happy. Uh, I think he would fit best in his knowledge base just simply because he understands the big-time Power Five conferences like the SEC. And, man, he carved them up in 2019. So, uh, But, yeah, I got you. I'm with you. It's interesting to see where this is going to go, right? It is I, I just, it's so funny. Like, I forget that Wake Forest is actually in the ACC. And this year was just comical to see the ACC championship being a, with Wake Forest and Pitt. I know Pitt has had some good teams in the past. And Wake Forest has had some some history of being good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, geez, in a conference where you got Florida State, Miami, you know, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, you know, Va, Va- Tech, Virginia, you know, you got, of course, Clemson. You've got all these teams that in the past and recent past have been really, really good. And it's just, it really shows how weird the ACC is this year with, when you have Pitt and Wake Forest competing for the ACC championship, which, mind you, Pitt just absolutely dominated Wake Forest, beating them 45-21. But it was crazy. Yeah, dude. Um, nope, that's, I don't really have much else to say about it um i I, if honestly if i'm just going off of intuition i'm really not all that thrilled the names that are being speculated on i was really hoping we would get a little bit bigger of a name kind of in the pool but uh i don't know i don't know we'll see i think we're gonna have an announcement sometime next week to be honest with you i don't think it's I really don't think it's the Army guy because they've still got a game to play next Saturday. And I doubt Frost wants to sit around without an offensive coordinator out on the road recruiting until after the Army-Navy game. So I think we get an announcement next week. Uh, Another announcement I'm really looking forward to is whether or not Nebraska is going to have a full-time special teams coordinator, which would require one heck of a juggling act. You know, he let four coaches go. And um, one coach already was doubled up. He was doing offensive coordinating and coaching the wide receivers. So how can we make room for a full-time special teams coach? But if Frost figures it out, I would say definitely give me some bush, please. Bill has been good at special teams in the past. He's always been good at recruiting. He was excellent when he was at LSU as their recruiting coordinator. And Joe Burrow wouldn't have been an LSU Tiger if it weren't for Bill Bush. Mm-hmm. Well, he could have been a freaking Husker if it weren't for Scott Frost thinking that uh, Martinez hung the moon. But uh, that's skill. Neither here, though. No use crying over it. Um, and who knows? Joe Burrow may not have fit into the Frost system as well as they wanted. But he was mobile enough. I think he could have made it work. Uh, and just like Mickey Joseph, he has ties to the SEC talent from his time at LSU. And they work together well. So we've got two guys. We'd have two guys on staff that would be outstanding at making sure that guys in the South say, hey, maybe you need to come up here and play. we got some exciting offense and some great defense. Uh, <laughs> go figure. Who would have figured that Eric Schnander would have been the uh, 
money hire out of everybody that came over from uh, Frost's original staff, right? Um, no But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, give me some bush. I'll take some bush, please. Not bush light. I want full-blown bush. Bill Bush. <laughs> you want you full bush, huh? You just want some big yeah. Okay, okay, but... okay. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to edit too much. Oh, yeah. So, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that we need... We need to see something different on special teams, whether it's a full-time yeah. special teams coordinator or at least break into the top 100 for special team statistics. Like, good God. Like, I don't care what they do. As long as we somehow squeeze our way into the top 80, for God's sakes, yeah. like, we've got to figure something out there. And if and if Bill Bush just gets hired on as, as a full-time special teams coordinator – that would be stellar, and they cut somewhere something short. I don't know. I don't know what what where how the numbers all line up and who they're gonna have to what they're gonna have to cut back on. But mm-hmm. we we need something to change in our special teams unit, and I agree. I think Bill Bush is probably the way to do so. Um, but we will yep. see. Well, that pretty much wraps up our discussion on coaches. I was hoping we could have discussed more guys that were actually known as new coaches for NU, but it's just not to be yet. Um, like I said, I think you could hear announcements by the end of next week, um, and I hope so. That would be really cool to know exactly what we're into going into 2022. So there were some games over the weekend that, of course, Nebraska was involved in none of them. <laughs> so why don't we... Uh, well, we haven't been involved in one since 2012, and that's one we all want to forget. So um, why don't we move on and talk about the conference championship games? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Well, I'm pretty sure you're wondering why you're not hearing Scott and I talk about championship games or the college football playoff right about now. Well, that's because this was a two-hour recording. And we decided that we'd split it up into two. So if you want to hear us talking about those things, you can when part two drops on Thursday at 8 a.m. So we'll be there. Will you? Facebook.com slash GenRedPod is our page. Twitter at GenRedPod. Generation Red Live is the YouTube channel. GenRedPod.com is the website. GenRPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Reach out talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and a positive review so our show gets noticed by more people. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you join us for part two where Scott and I will be front and center right in your ear holes. Wow, that came out way worse than I thought it would. Um, Go Big Red and Iowa's Corn really sucks. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. Go Big Red.